In today's interview, I had the pleasure of meeting with Nikki Julian from Arizona Wildlife Federation. She took a moment to share how she entered environmental education and discussed her work with the Arizona Wildlife Federation. If you want to learn more about AWF in the field of environmental education, this is the interview to listen to. Thank you, Nikki, for taking the time to stop by the DRW podcast show. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, please check out my latest product called the Goal Development Plan. You can find this plan on my website at dianareesewilliams.com. Thank you all for your support and remember to continue to be blessed in nature. and welcome to the DRW interviews and today we have Nikki Julian and I'm excited that she came to join us today because her and I met of course through Summer Institute. We met back in 2018. I made sure to do my homework to at least figure out the dates because the last time I was doing an interview I couldn't between myself and the other person it's like well what year was that? But anyways, so we met through Summer Institute and believe it or not, we're not just colleagues, but we're actually friends. And she's actually been to my home and met my husband and my daughter. And she actually got to meet Outbackers, which was really cool. Um, And so I guess some of the other things that I wanna mention is she's part of AWF. And I wanna make sure that I don't wanna butcher the acronym or what the acronym stands for. So I'm gonna let Nikki get into that. But I just want to say thank you for joining today and tell us about yourself. Well, thanks, Dion. It's so nice to be on your show. (laughs) I love it. Um, So uh, I work for Arizona Wildlife Federation, and that's what AWF stands for. And I'll be using that. um, I'll be using that acronym many, many times. So um, uh, just pipe in with what it means every once in a while uh, um, so that, you know, um, so that all of you can remember. Um, Arizona Wildlife Federation. So we are the state affiliate for the National Wildlife Federation. And um, so I'll be telling you a little bit about some of the programs that um, National Wildlife Federation does that um, as the outreach director for the Arizona Wildlife Federation, I'll be um, promoting here in the state. So very excited about that. Awesome. So how did you get into the work of environmental ed? Uh, well, I've been doing this for definitely way over 20 years. Um, so my interesting story about it is that I went out to, um, I've been taking hikes and I, um, I think I was 18 or 19 and I joined the Student Conservation Association for a summer up in um, the burn area of Yellowstone and uh, right outside of Yellowstone. And um, I was with this group of people. I thought I was pretty like nature, you know, nature girl before I left and outdoorsy. And then I joined this group of people, uh, young people are all my age, um, you know, college age kids. And um, they all knew so much more about nature than I did. Either they um, had all kinds of different skills like uh, rock climbing and biking and, or they, they knew how to like bird and they could identify the trees. Um, or they knew the ecosystems. And when I got home from that summer, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta take it up a notch. 
And um, I started identifying plants and uh, I came from a background of photography, really strong in photography. So I photographed every plant that I kind of met, put it in a scrapbook and um, and now I have about 5,000 species. I still photograph plants and I take little samples and I make it into an herbarium and it's, I'm really, really proud of it. And, um, but it's nothing compared to, you know, uh, um, university herbariums, but maybe someday when I die, I'll donate my, I donate my collection. Um, but that's the secret you didn't know about me. So um, there you go. Uh, so that kind of started it no, all. I didn't know. <laughs> um, and then I started wow. reading a lot of, thank you. Yeah. I started reading a lot of um, uh, nature writing as well. Um, and really, really got into that. In fact, so much so that my bachelor's degree became about finding a sense of place and how each person has their own way of wanting to connect with nature, whether it's um, outdoor recreation or whether it's birding or, um, uh, or um, pressing plants or doing art or writing, what, you know, whatever it is that reconnects you with nature or hunting or fishing, um, any of those things, rock climbing, whatever it is. Um, and I did that at the Evergreen State College. And while I was reading all this material, it occurred to me that um, I, I didn't have a name for what it was when I was connecting people to nature. Okay. Um, and then finally, it was like, well, this is environmental education. And I had a great mentor at, at the Evergreen State College. And I was like, oh, well, I, I can't be a teacher. She's like, you, you're a great teacher. Mm -hmm. And um, she started uh, inviting me to teach at her nature writing classes. And um, we did a lot of sense of place work and it was so wonderful. I, I love, love, love working with adults wow. that figure out how they love nature. And, uh, and for some people, it's been a love of nature for like their whole life. And other people didn't really connect with nature, but then, you know, kind of have this aha moment of, oh, I, I feel better out here. I like this or I can do this. You know, it's very empowering and, and I absolutely love that. So even though I work with kids a lot, um, kids naturally have that sense of wonder. So they're totally excited about being outside. Um, and you, you know, you give them something interesting inside or outside, it, it really makes no difference. They're just, you know, the child comes out. And when I can see the child coming out in adults, um, I, get, I get really happy about that really fills my soul. So that's, um, boy, that was when I was about uh, between 20 and 23. Um, okay. So yeah, that's where the over 20 years part comes in, but we won't give an exact number. <laughs> what I love about what you shared is that it started almost with photography, like starting in that space, and then it just grew. Um, because that's part of how I found a way to connect with nature. As you know, I'm very uh, cautious about nature, about touch nature, but I, I love to look at it. I love to listen and look. And so just validating to people, it's okay. You know, whatever, whatever makes you feel comfortable, I think that's important too. So how? Absolutely. I'm learning way too much about you. You've been holding back. <laughs> So, and today you have been working with Arizona Wildlife Federation. And so how does that connect with your passion of working in nature? How does that connect to this work that you're doing now? Sure. Um, 
Well, I was an at-home mom for a long time. Um, during my 20s and 30s, I loved taking my kids out. I, um, I, I think I still have more pictures of plants than my kids playing in nature, but they were in nature outside all the time. Um, and, and we had a lot of fun with that. And during that time, um, uh, that was when I was also um, teaching nature writing. I was doing a lot of nature writing, uh, learning a lot about environmental education, volunteering with different places and groups. And, um, and by the time we moved to Phoenix, that was 2010, um, the kids were in high school and they were kind of done with me telling them, you know, we're gonna go on a hike. In fact, you know, when we walked in the desert, they were, because we were in Washington state before. So when we hiked around in the desert, which was, I was from Arizona, I grew up in Sedona, Arizona. So being back in Arizona was such a great feeling for me. But my kids, I kind of, um, especially my daughter, I really upended their roots and took them out of Washington state. And um, so they weren't very happy with me for the first um, first few years we were here. And then whenever I took them out into um, into the desert to hike, they were like, <laughs> "I'm sure Why they does this compare?" You know, yeah. They were like, "This is this is no fun." So I did a lot of that. You know, I started doing a lot more of that on my own. And I thought, well, I really need to share this with other people. If I can't share it with my kids, I got to share it with somewhere else. Um, so I became a volunteer at the Desert Botanical Garden. That led me to taking. Um, the master, um, uh, uh, the landscaper course, I guess it's master landscaper course, certified landscaper, uh, desert landscaper um, course, which was amazing. Um, and then the next year I got hired by them to do environmental ed. So that was the first time I, uh, that was 2011. That was the first time I did environmental education for money. Um, and uh, it was a school field trip every day, you know, different ages, anywhere from kindergarten on up to high schoolers. And, um, and I learned, you know, a lot about the group dynamics, not just about how to teach other people in nature. But we had a fairly, you know, it was a, it was a very um, excellent curriculum, but um, but there wasn't any time in it. You know, you had to, it was do, 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 do. you had to do your stuff. Um, and all of us different tour guys, we all had a different spin on it. We had a great time with it. I was also going through the Master Gardener course because um, I had gotten a gardening bug a few years before from a friend of mine in Washington State. And, uh, and I went, well, this is, this goes right along with my plant. You know, I was identifying plants, but I wasn't planting them. And right. um, so a friend of mine was like, oh, you'd be great at gardening. I was like, I don't know about that. Mom used to do that. I don't know. And um, I felt that it was kind of like not nature, but, right. um, but when I started gardening, I was like, oh, this is intentional nature. This is, this is amazing stuff. And there's places for wildness and there's places for strict formal gardens and there's all this in between there's the edible gardens there's the native plant gardens there's the um and it and it really became for me a real gateway into um i guess i, I guess talking to people about nature even more i found that as here's another way of connecting people with their place mm -hmm. um so for the next uh oh gosh i don't know how many um for the next 10 years, I guess, as that brings us up to 2020, um, I've had several different jobs. I worked with the Cooperative Extension and I worked with the early childhood agent there. And uh, we fused nature play, or, you know, nature and play together and learning together. At that time, we called these spaces outdoor classrooms. Now, um, you know, they go by all kinds of different names, but um, nature play wasn't really the term that was all over the place at the time. Now, now it really is. Um, so I was really happy to be part of that movement um, starting and, um, and seeing it morph also from a very like learning experience 
to a much more play-based experience. And that's where I'm more at now. I'm also, I became a play worker um, back in 2015 or 16 out of the UK um, uh, online course. I uh, recommend that one um, through Adventure Pop-Up Play. And that really focuses on helping children, again, connect to their place by right. doing what they do best, which is, which is play. You know, and right. if we can if we can create these amazing spaces for them to play at, then um, you know all the, all the better because the adult feels you know whether it's their parent or their teacher they feel more comfortable. Um, there are some really awesome wild spaces as well, um, and a lot of the teachers you know or parents need to feel pretty confident to go into that space. Um, and so I help with that. I help with just just stepping outside the door. You know, um, just putting a foot out there. And uh, so gardening has really become, for me, a way of helping a lot of people get into nature because right. you can you can take the, you know, the indoor potted plants and go, okay, I want something outside. Okay, right. well, maybe I'll put it not just in a pot, but maybe I'll put it in the ground. Well, okay, right. maybe I'll maybe I'll put a, a something I can eat out there. And so I'll return out there later and pick something from it, like a strawberry plant. You right. know, um, and it just it just builds upon itself. And again, that aha moment of it's self-confidence building. It's uh, it really connects people to the earth. So um, anyway, I could go on and on about that forever. So um, so I was very involved in in um, in nature play and telling people about um, about plants. I didn't have any wildlife in my background. And I found it very hard to get jobs at zoos, and I wanted a, a much more um, well-rounded environmental education experience. So I wanted to—I didn't want to just be the plant nerd, which which I am, and that's okay. But I wanted on my resume, I wanted more stuff. So um, I wound up working at um, Southwest Wildlife Conservation Center. So it's a wildlife rehab in in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. They do an amazing job helping out animals, and I was their director of education. So anybody who came out on a tour, but also um, revising our school field trip program so the kids were getting a really wonderful experience um, and you know learning how important it was to save wildlife. So um, from there um, uh, again trying to like okay what what do I not know okay I got I got this part about helping helping wildlife the importance of wildlife the importance of how humans interact with wildlife and um, I took that and I got a job from the Arizona Wildlife Federation, and I was really happy to hear that it was a, a um, that it was it was the state affiliate of the National Wildlife Federation. So, because I'd always really respected National Wildlife Federation, and um, so uh, you and I, Dee, we went to um, we went to New Hampshire for the um, for the Natural Start uh, conference. Mm -hmm. um, was that just last year? It was just, it was just a year ago. Could, can you believe it? Feels like twenty years ago. It though. feels like twenty years ago. Absolutely. Not just because of COVID, because it's just we've created a friendship that's you know this kind of spans time. It feels like so. Um, so at that conference, I met um, a woman from the National Wildlife Federation who had been hired to help teach their nature play program, and it was a fairly new program. Um, so. Um, her, I started talking to her um, about this program. It's called the ECHO program. So it's Early Childhood Health Outdoors. And yes. it follows the philosophy of Robin Moore. And he's with the Natural Start Initiative out in um, North Carolina. And I'd been following his work for quite some time. And I'd taken many of his courses. I've gone out to his summit in North Carolina. 
and um, followed his design, actually took his class as a designer, not just a, an educator, which was just a wonderful, interesting experience. And um, so I got to talking with Adrian from the National Wildlife Federation. And I said, you know what's weird is that I just applied for a job at the Arizona Wildlife Federation. She's like, well, I hope you get it so we can do nature play in Arizona. Yes. And so on the way home, I called up the guy I'd interviewed with because I hadn't heard anything from him. And I was like, hey, how's that interview going? Am I going to get hired from you guys? And he's like, oh, you, do you actually want the job? I don't know. If he, I don't know how he meant that. Like, <laughs> I, I, oh, my, my fantasy brain goes, oh, well, I'm obviously just so amazing. They were surprised that I would take that job. I don't know. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want this job, especially hearing now how we can connect the National Wildlife Federation. Was, I think he was very impressed too that I, you know, made that connection with National. And um, so, yeah, came back and, and went, you're going to hire me. And they, and they did. Um, so wow. let me tell you a little bit about what Arizona Wildlife Federation does. Um, so uh, just like the National Wildlife Federation, we educate uh, about wildlife and we advocate for wildlife. So this was something I'd never done before. I was never into understanding the political scheme, was never into um, um, meeting with my legislators. That was something that I was just like, no, I am raising the, the little ones so they know how to vote. Yeah, I'm gonna start them young. Um, so that's been very interesting to me over the last, um, I've been with them for a year now, um, doing advocacy, meeting with, um, meeting with our Arizona senators, meeting with our Arizona representatives, and, and finding out what the connection to nature was, and then kind of like, hey, you like animals, or you like hiking, let's, you know, let's make this better, let's make this stronger. You love the Grand Canyon, let's make this stronger. Right. Um, while at the same time, um, talking to people about the importance that wildlife has, because so many people, you know, when I, I, I like I said, I'm a plant nerd, right? So I, I tour guide at the Desert Botanical Garden, and I take kids out, now these are all kids from Phoenix, the instant right. they see a lizard, they're just berserk. They're like, oh my God, a lizard. Like they've never seen a lizard before. And it's wonderful. Right. And I love it every time that they do it. Right. Um, you know, lizards are all over their back. You know, they're on the backyard. They're, they've seen lizards before, but they just go crazy right. about it. So, right. you know, here I am thinking, okay, here's this gardening as a way of getting, you know, adults into nature. But what the kids like is that animation. So they love wildlife. And, you know, we have that, we continue that caring up, you know, in our adult, adult lives too, take care of a pet, take care of our kids, you know. Um, but a lot of us, when we go out in nature, we love to see that thing that's there. We call it a snap. So it's a seasonal, right. natural, uh, amazing phenomenon, you know, right. and often that means an animal, whether it's a butterfly or a lizard, you know, something kind of plain like that, or charismatic megafauna like a bear or a deer or a raccoon or you know something that you don't see every day um but we're still we're right. just as amazed with butterflies and, and lizards the stuff we see kind of on a daily basis um and that's how i also feel about a plant that's like blooming like the day it goes ta-da you know um not just like here's a couple blooms i'm getting there but like when the tree goes yeah i'm awesome i i love that I have to anyway, say, I'm rambling I, along. <laughs> I've seen you in action with plants. Uh -huh. and when, I, when she says this, she legit has a connection with plants. Oh. And she gives a whole personality behind the plant too. I love it. I love it. I wish I could, I wish I could draw and then I would do like cartoons of plants personality because they all, yeah, they all, 
they all speak to me for sure. Um, so what I'm moving into now with the Arizona Wildlife Federation, we're really excited about a few new um, education programs that we're doing. They all come from the national office. So um, as the state affiliate, we're independent. We don't have to take on the different stuff that NWF does. Of course, we're very inspired by that. They're amazing. They have great branding. They have great teams. So it's very easy for us to go, we'll hop on that bandwagon. Um, but we can also do some of our own stuff as well. And we also have our own constituents. So Arizona Wildlife Federation has been around since the 19, 1920s. Um, and our constituency has been traditionally uh, uh, the, the Browns, the hunters and the anglers. Um, but we have a lot of uh, a lot of gardeners in our midst too, um, and then we also have uh, we really want to start bringing in a lot more of that. That nature can be nearby, nature can be at your home. And one of the things I really learned from uh, my time at the Evergreen State College, of course, it's a hippie college. It's, it's got green in the name. It is a green, extremely <laughs> progressive, extremely liberal school. And one of the things that I found very, very interesting is that almost everybody there claimed to be um, an environmentalist. Okay. But the only people who knew who do I, how to identify plants better than me were both hunters. Um, and they're the one, and that really gave me this understanding. I didn't grow up hunting at all. So I really had, you know, we'd go out fishing once in a while, but I think my dad would like purposefully not get anything. Um, <laughs> he loved being outdoors, but we, we never brought home anything. And, um, and so knowing these, these two guys who were hunters and how they could identify this tree or that tree or why it was important and they could identify signs in the woods. Um, and to me, being such a, a knowledge-based person, it was like, that's a real way to share your connection. And so, you know, as I get to know more, I'm, I'm learning how to be a hunter and, and a fisher woman now, fisher now, um, or angler, whichever we want to call it. And um, I'm, I'm really seeing that those people who are um, uh, uh, fair chase hunters, that they, um, they really care about the wildlife that they're hunting, and they're good because they care about the wildlife that they're hunting. They're also, you know, makes them better hunters. Um, right. And they know, they know what plants those deers are, deer are eating and where they need to go to find them. And they are very aware of the ecosystems. They're very aware of how, um, uh, of how climate is, you know, climate change is, is affecting uh, wildlife and populations and, and where the plants are growing and no longer growing and where the animals are trying to get them and how their migration. It's just, it's, it's, it's mind blowing uh, what's going on, you know, the relationship between plants and animals. And, um, but we're not going to take care of it. Those, you know, plants and animals will be along long after we, we have, uh, um, you know, eradicated ourselves. They're just going to, life's going to find a way. Um, so if we want to take care of plants and animals in our time, we need to do a couple things, which are one, bring up that next generation is absolutely bottom line, the most important, because if you don't have that love of nature, you're not going to, you're not going to vote for it. You're not going to take care of it. Um, and, and sometimes, like I said, it needs to be brought out. Like you had it when you were younger, or you had a sense of wonder about it, or you're maybe you're, you're nervous now, or maybe you live in an apartment, so you don't think you can garden, you know? Um, so there's that, but, um, you know, I can advocate to people all day long about why they need to vote for nature, but if they don't have a love of nature, they're not going to do it because they, they won't. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, so 
uh, I'm sorry, I started talking about the education programs that we're doing. This is what you want to hear about because this is so exciting because Dee and I are trying to make a little a little partnership with this and I'm really excited about this. So the collaboration. Um, yeah, collaboration. Um, so going back to that ECHO program, the Early Childhood Health Outdoors. Um, so what it is is um, how to get kids um, having more physical activity outside um, you know, a lot of our playgrounds now are, are the, the play structure and it looks like it offers a lot of different play, but it actually doesn't. And it really caters to children who like that type of play and right. the rest of the kids like use it because they kind of have to, or because they recognize that's, that's what playgrounds are. And so right. they'll see that structure and go, oh, I can play there. But there are so many other places that they can play and we're trying to you know remind kids i mean you and i grew up not necessarily playing at a playground we saw swings we we're like oh my god that's amazing right. you know um but now there's like a play structure you know all over the place um and it, and i think kids are growing up with this idea that that's the only place that they can play Absolutely. and um yes so, and it, it really doesn't it really doesn't provide a really wide wide spectrum of, of the type of physical activity that kids can do it does provide some obviously for sure um, a little bit of climbing involved and there's the you know um, all the little rope you know daily all the different things that they can do and that and that's awesome and I'm not um, you know I'm not saying that those should be eradicated I, I think they should be there um, but what we're trying to do also is create more spaces like can they interact with with nature? Because what's going to happen is they're going to do um, physical activity um, that's different than on that play structure. Um, right. They're also going to have um, oh, and I could get into the research and I and I oh my gosh, we won't even go down that rabbit hole. But um, there's more creativity with it. Um, it's almost like that you know um, if they're bored, they'll come up with something to do because um, the kids could be bored in a house with a PlayStation and all the devices and the, the play structure outside. I mean, they can still say they're bored. Um, you know, when you take kids to a creek and it's like, they won't be bored for hours, you know? Um, but they have to they have to kind of, you know, re-tap into that. You know, young, early childhood, they, they get it without even thinking about it because they're already tapped into it. Um, but as we grow, we lose it over time. So um, the ECHO program looks at uh, spaces where kids can play and go, okay, how can we design this intentionally for more active play, more interaction with nature, open up for more creativity, more imagination, more cooperation uh, between kids. And, um, and I think it, it, the program really does an amazing job. So um, it's based out of Denver. They have several um, demonstration sites and seed sites um, in the Denver area because that's where they're that's where their staff can can drive out to, to meet these sites. Um, they've also developed wonderful online resources. And um, knowing that, you know, I love nature play, that's a lot of my background is in nature play. I went to them and said, what can we start doing in Arizona? Um, so they're really receptive to the idea. And uh, we're building the program here, which is awesome. Um, and um, Outback Learning has been identified as one of our collaborations. And, yes. um, I've already come down, you know, um, I, I came down on my off AWF hours because I wasn't getting paid for doing nature play at that time. Now I now I am. Um, and went down to Dee's place and just told her about some of the different things that, that we can that she can do, you know, we can do that she can do um, at that site. And um, 
And so it's been so wonderful over the past, God, that was just like January, wasn't it? So just beginning of the year, just over the past, um, you know, nine months, even without Outback going on in the summer and beyond, um, all the amazing things that Dee's doing. And I'm so proud of you for bringing in chickens as well. I mean, you've really stretched your, you know, your zone of tolerance. You've been really stretching that into new things for yourself to do. So um, when, the Echo program asked me about different sites that we can find in Arizona. You know, deep, you came, you came to mind like absolutely right away. Um, and it was something, you know, between you and uh, Ellen Bashore and I, you know, uh, we've been trying to get um, in the Arizona Association for Environmental Education, uh, uh, a little subgroup for just specifically for early childhood education to come along. And all of us were wearing so many different hats um, yeah. that it was, it was hard to start. But now, um, now we've got that going as well. and. You know, the nice thing is, is when we can dedicate time to it, either through our jobs or through a business that you have, or, you know, um, so that's been a byproduct of this ECHO program is, is creating that space too. So it's not just, oh, a design on paper. Um, and it's not just giving professional development to teachers and it's not just helping them activate the site. It has all this ripple effect too. You know, we're helping a small business owner in Arizona um have this have this dream you know and um so again because she's tapping into into her love of nature and you know so you're doing this through through the children through early childhood and you know and letting them lead the way for you and bring you along and um you know and that's since they've become involved with you you know those little children are, are bringing you to these places that you haven't, that you haven't gone before, you've been too nervous to go before. And now you have, I hear this when you talk, you know, I, you know, you have this like, almost like an excuse or justification. <laughs> you know, I want to make those words more positive. Like, right. um, again, it's um, in, in natural resource interpretation, we use the word provocation. And it, right. the word has often been used in a negative fashion. You know, you look up provocation as a, as a, as a word, what does this word mean? It's often it's often kind of like negative pushing, but right. how we use it is in natural resource interpretation is really an invitation, right. and um, because it shouldn't be it should be something that's a little bit outside your comfort zone, but not to the point where you won't do it. You want we want to get people to be thinking about and doing um, something that stretches them a little bit. So that's been amazing for me to watch the transformation that's happening with you, and knowing that you know it. Sometimes, you know, people will take like, uh, there's, um, there's a type of environmental education that takes kids out on like a five day or 10 day, you know, raft down the Colorado River or into the boundary waters of Wisconsin or, um, or Minnesota or, you know, at these big, huge events, which are awesome. And, and again, it, there's totally a place for that. And a lot of the kids have kind of an epiphany through this because they're reconnecting with this thing, but they're also old enough as teens and high schoolers to to build their own skills and confidence in doing this program, which are amazing programs. Um, and they often happen very, very quickly, you know, a few days out, you know, especially after something that, you know, the, the tons of rain or whatever, and the kids, you know, after two days are like, they they get it and they, and they, and they move forward with it even, even through this adversity. Um, right. But what I find just as amazing is is something that takes even a couple months, a couple years to kind of bring out from a person. Um, 
so yeah, that's you know whenever I whenever I think of you, I always always think of that that it's um, someday you'll be hugging a chicken. I know you will. I know it. <laughs> it's interesting because you know with my family and you you probably listened to podcast episodes. I've always been in nature. It's just it hasn't necessarily been the same way other people explore it. Um, and so I find myself exploring it in a new way which is actually feeling it because i've always explored it through visually or just audio you know um whether it's just walking in the park or whatever i was doing as a child but now as an adult i'm going okay i'm actually going to try this like chickens. but i think you brought up some really good points when it comes to introducing environmental ed especially at an early age so when people ask like why why are you taking kids outside like what is that about well it's because it starts there and i remember when i very first started outback a little over a year ago and you you touched on it and the fact that like there's there is i feel like there is a generation of kids that only view the outdoors as going to the park because their parents drove them there or they walked there, however they got there, but that's their outdoor experience. And I'll never forget the first month or so that I had the Outbackers, they were just kind of like testing. Like you could just, I'm giving the look of how they look. They're like, so I can actually play with the rocks. Like I can actually do these things. I can actually run around and because they were kind of lost. and. The younger the kids were, the younger the Outbacker, it, it got even more interesting. I had one little guy, he's like, get me out of here. But he was just so lost. And it was a matter of just like, okay, we're gonna walk to the park or just showing him how we can engage in outdoors. And I thought that was amazing to watch, just to witness a three and a half year old, three and a half. He, he, he had already been in the outdoors enough to know, well, the outdoors means there's a playground and there's gonna be lots of toys. And that's how I'm going to entertain myself. And it wasn't until he learned, well, I can actually jump off of this giant rock and you'll be here and I'll be safe and I'll be safe. <laughs> but that was the interesting experience. So that's why I enjoyed like when you talk about um, just your career span and just, I don't know, just working with young kids and even adults just learning about the outdoors and i'm super excited to be working with awf in doing this collaboration with you um just because like i said you're one of the very few people that have actually seen outback and so i could describe to you like okay i've got this garden over here got a garden over there i definitely want to add tires now so there's just different things that i definitely want to add to the outdoors and maybe I won't have an outbacker come in thinking, what am I supposed to do? You know, there's just still things that I'm learning as a nature-based educator myself. Um, but you know, you had said something really interesting when you came to Outback. You had, you said, you're like, this is not just nature-based. This is nature preschool. Can you elaborate what's the difference oh. between those two things? Cool.